Hi, this is David Mattin, and you're listening to the audio version of New World Same Humans number 32, published on the 30th of August 2020. You can find the links included in this instalment and a link to the text version on the New World Same Humans article page, where this podcast is embedded. So let's go. Two weeks ago. A California judge delivered a pretty monumental ruling on Uber and its relationship to its drivers. So this week, reflections on the future of work, specifically on why I think we might be about to see the rise of a thousand hype house type collectives for accountants, journalists, designers, and more. And why we could finally realise the promise of cooperative gig economy platforms. I'll be back on Wednesday with the second new week. Same humans news and super fast analysis. But for now, let's work this essay, which is called "Work Is Dead, Long Live Work." Number one: Pandemics change the calculus when it comes to work. Pandemics cause economic mutation. Historically, foremost amongst those mutations has been a shift in the relationship between labour and the broader economy. In the mid-fourteenth century, the Black Death reduced Europe's population by two thirds. At a stroke, human labour was scarce. Agrarian labourers renegotiated terms with their landlords, and the centuries-old feudal system, in which peasants were tied to the tiny patch of land they farmed on behalf of their lord, was broken. A bacterium that no one could see, let alone understand, had ended the old world and fired the beginnings of the new. Thankfully, this pandemic isn't the same. Still, the coronavirus is posing its own compelling questions. About the future of work. So far, the conversation has revolved around unemployment and new possibilities for remote working. But I wonder if this moment has laid the foundations of a deeper shift, that is, a new reassertion of labour power and a renegotiation in which workers are able to reclaim the upper hand. I think there is a chance for three welcome developments. The rise, at last, of cooperative gig economy platforms, new collectives of independent knowledge and creative workers, and a historic change in the terms of the employer-employee relationship. Two, workers have taken a hit across the last four decades. First, some context: in affluent countries, the share of the economic pie going to workers has been trending downwards for more than three decades. The breaking of labour power was a central tenet of the 1980s neoliberal revolution enacted by Thatcher and Reagan, who made reforms intended to tilt bargaining power towards corporations and other employers. It worked in the U.S. in 1980. Around 62 percent of national income went to workers. By 2018, that had fallen to 56 percent. The West has been getting richer, but its workers have not. Most of the gains have gone to corporate profits and the top one percent. Meanwhile, work has become more precarious for millions. In the U.K., the gig economy. Has more than doubled in size between 2016 and 2019, and now accounts for over 4.7 million workers. 
In short, the last four decades have been an age of capital. Workers have taken a hit. But now the pandemic is colliding with technological and social change in ways that could break this settlement. Three, cooperative platforms are coming at last. Look first at the gig economy. Legal headwinds and technological change are creating the soil in which a new ecosystem can bloom. Uber has spent hundreds of millions around the world fighting legal battles to prevent drivers from being classed as employees. But the pandemic is accelerating a legal pushback. In June, a New York federal judge ruled that the state must pay drivers unemployment benefits during the pandemic in a ruling that supported the idea that Uber does employ its drivers. And in August, a California judge gave Uber and Lyft two weeks to reclassify drivers as employees. The ruling is being appealed. The legal tide is turning, but another shift could be even more consequential. Back to those judgments for a moment. When the California ruling was announced, the most common criticism of it ran along these lines. What about the benefits to workers of the gig economy? What about drivers who value the freedom to work whenever they want? Or those who can't find another source of income? If these rulings take Uber down, it's those drivers who will be hurt the most. If some people are happy to drive on the terms as they exist now, why should we interfere? It's true that the gig economy does make possible new and more flexible forms of work, and that's great. The problem has never been with the gig economy, only the current model, which sees a handful of vampiric Silicon Valley giants suck all the value out of the system. What Uber and its advocates conveniently ignore is that it's perfectly possible to have the wonderful freedoms of gig economy work without having to strike a deal with the vampire. And we all know how, via cooperative platforms established and owned by the workers themselves. Think an Uber owned by the drivers, an Airbnb owned by the hosts. So far, none have really taken off. The cost time and technical capacity needed to build a competitor platform have been prohibitive. They have acted as a moat around the business of sharing economy giants. But now that is changing. The last couple of years have seen the quiet maturation of the no-code movement. New tools such as Bubble now mean that non-technical people can build sophisticated web and mobile apps that only a few years ago would have needed a team of developers. In future, tools such as GPT-3, which writes code based on natural language instructions, will further commoditize the technology needed to run a sharing economy platform. This is a huge deal for the sharing economy. The basis of that economy is nothing more or less than platforms that allow people with to connect with people who need. Once the creation of these platforms becomes non-technical, near-instant and free, everything changes. In the 2020s, I think we'll see the blossoming of a thousand and more local, sometimes pop-up, sometimes informal, cooperative gig economy platforms. Profits will be shared. Drivers and delivery riders will give themselves insurance, sick pay and benefits. And because these platforms can be hyper-local, they can be more responsive to the needs of customers. No one gets to be a billionaire. Workers win. 
vampires lose. 4. Knowledge economy hype houses will make sense in the 2020s. The chance for a reassertion of labour power goes beyond the gig economy. It extends to various kinds of knowledge and creative workers too. New technologies and globalisation have helped hollow out the professional middle class in affluent countries, but they have also created new ways for individual knowledge workers to provide their services, find customers and get paid. This is the rise of the passion economy, written about by Adam Davidson and others. Now the pandemic has made a whole lot of marketers, accountants, journalists and more unemployed. Many won't find new jobs quickly. Some instead will enter the passion economy and turn to independent work and one-person businesses run from their homes on the outskirts of major city centres. I've already written on how a huge opportunity exists to serve this new army of independent workers. We're going to see the rise of new platforms that allow these people to connect and collaborate, inform and inspire one another. Imagine a platform that allows, say, a freelance marketer to collect with, to connect with other marketing professionals in her neighbourhood. Eventually, one says, hey, I have a spare room in my house. Why don't we all gather here to work tomorrow? The group grows. They club together to hire a local space. Next, they create a shared piggy bank for insurance and other expenses. Jane, who works in marketing for a big brand, looks at this arrangement with increasing envy. She works from home anyway, and the brand doesn't pay her that well. Maybe she should jump ship, go independent, and join the local collective. In the 2020s, these kinds of knowledge worker collectives will make sense for rising numbers of people. We've watched and laughed as hip YouTube creators form collectives such as the infamous Hype House. Now expect a thousand Hype Houses for local accountants, HR professionals or Etsy sellers. Independent knowledge workers of the world unite. 5. These changes could spark a broader movement for reform. Not all jobs are amenable to this kind of change. You can't have a hype house for independent nurses, train drivers or security guards. Many people will remain in traditional salaried employment. But I wonder if the shifts outlined above can set the stage for a realignment of terms, even when it comes to this kind of work. How might that play out? As independent knowledge and creative work becomes more viable, employers may be forced to offer middle-class professionals better terms. What changes would be on the shopping list? Think a four-day work week. More flexibility when it comes to working hours and working from home. Profit share arrangements as standard. Child care arrangements as standard. Could that, in turn spark a movement for change that encompasses all employees. In the end, that would mean a political shift that redraws the balance of power between workers and employers. Is such a shift possible? Not so long ago, the idea that the leader of an industrialised nation might float a four-day work week would have seemed ridiculous. But New Zealand's Jacinda Ardern recently did just that. Six. Work is dead, long live work. 
Critics might say all this amounts to so much wishful thinking. The changes I've outlined here make for one set of scenarios. I contend they are possible. They are not inevitable. We could end up in a much different and far darker place. But underlying all this is a single and powerful trend that we can be more certain about. We're building automated economies that can serve human needs while requiring ever less human input. That is the central and unavoidable trend governing the future of work, and it imposes two imperatives. First, in a world of automated value creation, what use are humans? A huge part of the answer is creativity. Many more people than ever will make a living entertaining, inspiring, and just generally being with others. The British educationalist Ken Robinson died two weeks ago in an iconic TED talk widely shared after his death. He argued that we must redesign the education of our children around the 21st century economy's need for creativity above all else. Second, we need to accept that in future millions won't find a place within the traditional economy. So what does this mean? We should embrace the decoupling of work from material reward. In the 21st century, I think we'll come eventually to believe that the right to a living wage is a function simply of personhood and not of work. This idea still seems strange to us and it even makes some people angry. But I think its victory is inevitable in the long term. We are all the inheritors of the technological and economic legacy that makes automated output possible. We all deserve at some minimum level to share in that output. In this world, work as we know it today might fade away for most people. It doesn't have to mean the end of enterprise. If you want more than your minimum share, go ahead, start a business, succeed, get rich. Nor does it have to mean the end of structured action, purpose and the dignity that goes with it. It can instead allow us to redefine work in fruitful ways. Workers care, truthfulness, beauty, being there for one another. It could finally liberate us into a world in which everyone, and not just a lucky few, is able to share their spirit with the world. Work it. Thanks so much for listening this week. The world of work is changing fast and recentering around creativity, community and care. That shift will impact us all in the years ahead. So what to do? New World Same Humans is a community of brilliant people united in their mission to build a better shared future. And I hope that whatever direction your work life takes in the years to come, this community will prove a useful and inspiring resource. There's one thing you can do to help make this community more useful to you and to help others, and that is invite more people inside. So if you found today's instalment useful, please forward the email to one person, a friend, a family member, a colleague who'd also enjoy it, or share New World Same Humans across one of your social networks and let people know why you find the newsletter valuable. All you have to do is navigate back to the article page where this podcast is embedded and hit the share button. Your membership of this community means a lot. 
I will be back on Wednesday with new week, same humans. Until then, be well.